from the new recording lair located deep beneath the Wine and Spirit Store in Ephrata, Pennsylvania. You're listening to the Masonic Light Podcast. Studio 665 presents Masonic Light Podcast. This show is recorded by Masons, for Masons, and is for entertainment purposes only. And please, no wagering. This podcast is not endorsed by any Grand Lodge, and the ridiculous ramblings of the hosts are their own. And now, here's your host. Welcome, everybody, and welcome to Masonic Light Podcast. We're at episode 129. No way. 129? 129. Wow. Yes, and um, our own Jack Harley has scored us a great guest from across the pond. Um, I don't know what the official title is. You can tell. You can correct me, but for our purposes, Brother Robert Cooper of the Grand Lodge of Scotland, welcome. Good evening. And uh, so what we do here, um, uh, Robert, is kind of just go around real quick and see what people have been up to. Um, I'm going to use it based on my screen, and I'm going to start with Tim. So, Tim, what have you been doing except for recovering from COVID? Uh, that's been the uh, major uh, emphasis the last couple of weeks. Uh, I think uh, on our last episode, I was... Uh, officially on the uh, disabled list but um in any case all, all is well now i'm back to as, as normal as i get i guess um actually attended a uh, our november stated meeting on the first uh of eureka west shore lodge number 302 um and other than that have been uh participating in a number of rehearsals with the valley of harrisburg in preparation for the upcoming Scottish Rite reunion coming up. We'll mention at the end of the show. Um, but other than that, that's been about it. Brother Jack. What? What have you been doing Masonic? No, jeepers. I continue with my Masonic education for the new candidates as they're coming through. Uh, that is the thing that really I feel called to as a part of masonry to serve my lodge. And we had a state of meeting last night, just uh, not too much else. This uh, past weekend, we had a baby shower for my third grandbaby. Nice. Um, so that's exciting. Uh, the kids up in Boston are having uh, a baby and that's their first and our third. So um, other than that, not too much. Brother Robert, we're going to include you in this as well. What have you been up to the past couple of weeks in the what? Masonically related? Well, all meetings are s still suspended here. Um, so there have been, yeah, it's uh, the government takes a different attitude here compared to mm. the states. Um, so, uh, yeah, no Masonic meetings at all. Um, we have had a few Zoom meetings, et cetera, et cetera, but we're not going to be having any Masonic meetings until January at the earliest. Wow. Um, so that's that's going to be almost exactly two years without a Masonic meeting. Yes. And uh, that gives us a lot of worry, you know, um, who's going to come back, 
what lodges are going to um, fail. Um, wait, 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 wait. It gives us a wadi? Is that what you said? A wadi, yeah. A wadi. Yeah, a wadi. We're a bit worried. Worried. Uh, yeah. Oh, okay. Worried, worry. yeah. Sorry, it's the, okay. it's the accent. It's the accent, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so apart from that, of course, I'm in an unusual situation in that uh, I work for the Grand Lodge, so I've been I've been busy as normal um, throughout this period, but no Masonic meetings. Yeah. Brother Josh, you- Worshipful Master, what have you been up to? Uh, we had our stated meeting of Lamberton Lodge number 476. Uh, we did a degree, and I had a, a master's meeting over the weekend. And Excellent. I'll, I'll, let, I'll let Larry talk about, talk about our meeting, because I know he loves talking about all things merger. Go ahead, Larry. <laughs> well, start with uh, Tall Cedars. Uh, great event, Halloween uh, party. And my wife and I were the only two that actually went there dressed. Uh, uh, Goose and gridiron breakfast, again, uh, doing that. Attendance is slowly increasing. Um, the stated meeting of Lamberton Lodge 476, uh, and Pete was there. Um, we actually did the final vote to agree to merge with uh, Charles M. Howell Lodge, Millersville Lodge, uh, and uh, we did our final vote, and I'm attending a meeting tonight in Millersville where they will do a final vote also. So the merger for both lodges has gone well, and uh, I, I expect that when it goes to Grand Lodge, it will go well theirs also. So that's so Robert, just so you know, just so you know, Robert, um, let's see, Larry and Josh and Pete are all members of a particular lodge that meets in Lancaster City that is surrendering to the inevitable, and they're going to merge with another lodge, what, what 10 miles away? Yes. Something like that? Yeah. Or so? Yeah. So um, it, And not Larry the lodge that's already in our building. So I right. guess that's the drama. So Larry has been um, carrying the water for this committee for a very long time just to catch you up sorry right okay you're up um let's so i've I've been uh doing tall cedar stuff i'm scribe so i'm secretary for that group we did have the tall cedar grand tall ball over in york so yeah over here uh we have two counties side by side york and lancaster so i guess you know kind of like british history with the white rose and red rose cities um But, uh, yeah, so we had a nice dinner there. Uh, other than that, uh, Tim kind of alluded to it. If you're a Scottish Rite Mason um, in our area, uh, it's reunion season. And I am in the 6th, 16th, and 32nd degree. Plus, I'm an officer in the Knights of Rose Croix. So I have to figure out how to – I've learned my parts. That's the easy part. But I have to figure out how to do three costume changes and at one point be on the dais in tails when we open the Lodge of Rose Croix. So I'll just follow some other more senior member. I'm sure it it can happen. But uh, same with you, Tim. Yeah, um, we're using uh, video introductions of our officers for this. So uh, we don't have to all be up on stage for the opening Uh, and closings. 
you guys in Harrisburg are really falling apart. I know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we're going to take a quick break and we're going to come back and uh, we're going to talk to our guest from the Grand Lodge of Scotland, author Robert Cooper. Why choose George J. Grove and Sons for your next home improvement project? At George J. Grove and Sons, we've built our reputation on quality and trust for more than 50 years. For planning to materials to installation, George J. Grove promises a home improvement experience second to none. Whether your goal is reducing energy costs, decreasing maintenance, updating curb appeal, or simply increasing the value of your home, the George J. Grove team will recommend and provide solutions that stand the test of time. Call 717-393-0859 for an estimate or visit us at georgejgrove.com. And we're back with uh, Robert Cooper, who is technically, I think, Robert, you are the curator of the Grand Lodge of Scotland. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yep. And and who does one have to pay off to become a curator of a Grand Lodge? <laughs> well, um, it was 28 years ago I got the job, so I can't remember. Um, <laughs> <laughs> there were all uh, these hands out. That's all I mean. That's right. uh, <laughs> But, yeah, it, it was a long time ago. I think it was just a matter of being in the right place at the right time, to be honest. Um, so 20 years, um, so 1994 it was. Now, uh, how long were you a Mason when that happened? Uh, not long, about 10 years. Um, okay. So, no, not, not long in the tooth at all. Uh, but, yeah, so 10 years or so. So you you actually know a lot of friends of this podcast. Um, you, you mentioned Tom Jackson. We don't know that he's a friend of the podcast, but he's a friend <laughs> of a friend anyway. We um, did interview. Um, but we um, but we also think that you probably know Brian Hill. Um, and if you listen to this episode, you will hear the dulcet tones of Brian Hill uh, doing the introduction to our show. Okay. Uh, Brian, yeah. Brian's, Brian's a great friend and, and Lodge brother here locally. So he's yeah. part of that. But then tell, tell us about a little bit about your Masonic journey. How did you do this? Oh, gosh. Well, as I say, it's, it was quite a long time ago. But my background, my academic background is in uh, history. Um, in fact, a Greek classical history. Um Ooh. Yeah. So I was hearing stories about um, a very unusual history of uh, my country, Scotland, that uh, I'd never heard taught anywhere um, before, not, not at school, not at college, not at university. So I thought, well, how can there be two histories of a country? So I thought, well, I'm going to join this group and, and, and find out um, what they're talking about. And uh, that was really my motivation. I didn't have any kind of uh, family connection with the craft. Uh, uh, just a curiosity on my part. 
Um, so I, I, I became a member to find out what they were all talking about. And it was very interesting, I have to say, a bit weird, um, but uh, <laughs> uh, in, interesting. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, yeah, a unique group. Certainly, you know, uh, 38 years ago or thereabouts, it was a very odd group. Um but uh, the fascinating thing for me is historically is, of course, that uh, we now know beyond doubt that Freemasonry, uh, as we know it, began in Scotland um, with the written records that we have. Um, and uh, for the last 28 years, I've been examining those very records, uh, which begin in 1598. Uh, Lodge records begin in 1598 and they're continuous to the present day, for example. So that uh, that's a story that sadly I don't think is well known. Um, it's not well known here. Um, and that's simply because of, you know, um, 300 years of uh, a, a, a different Grand Lodge telling a different story. Um, <laughs> and it's it's kind of hard to overcome 300 years of so, propaganda. A lot of noise. <laughs> yes, sir. Yeah. So it's been my kind of, um, my fate um, to try and explain that there is more to this craft than uh, people realise. Well, uh, I, I want you to know, Robert, this is just personal from me to you, that your voice is being heard because I've been awakened to that history that you're talking about. And that's become my personal passion now. And mm -hmm. I'm working through the Pennsylvania Masonic Scholar Program. And at the end of it, I hope to, to put something together that kind of talks about the, the the underpinnings of all of that the from from Henry the Eighth through James mm. the First and and on mm. to the you know um, on to the Hanovers it, it it's a fast it's a fascinating story and yeah. you're right I don't think anybody here knows it yeah good so um, so what um, you you've been um, You've been in the craft for a time, and I know that you've held some positions within the craft. And in fact, one of our member, uh, Brother Larry Maris, um, was actually inadvertently in England um, <laughs> on on the day that you were installed as worshipful master of the um, of, uh, Atar Coronati. Yes. So tell us about that. What is what is uh, how how did you feel about that? <laughs> well, it's it's very odd uh, in some ways for a Scotsman to be a master of an English lodge. Uh, it doesn't happen very often. It certainly does not happen um, in that particular lodge very often because <laughs> it's uh, it's the oldest lodge of research in the world. Um, it's its history goes back to I think it's 1888 uh, thereabouts um, and during that time there's only been a handful of Scots that have been masters so it was a, a, a very odd sort of uh, experience for me but what I enjoyed was uh, watching the shock on their faces when I kept lapsing into Scottish ritual which, <laughs> which is completely different from the way the English do it Beautiful. and of course with the accent as well they probably had uh, great difficulty not only understanding the ritual but understanding the words that this guy was spouting you know? <laughs> 
So, uh, so uh, it it was good fun. <laughs> so, Larry, tell us uh, tell us about that day. Well, it, it, I, I attended that meeting actually, and uh, I forgot my apron. I, I didn't know we had to bring an apron, being an American, and uh, they gave me one. It was a past master's apron because it was the only one that fit me. And uh, I went into the lodge room and we did all the work. And uh, uh, I was sitting behind the secretary's desk and the assistant. And they said something. They were talking to me and I wasn't quite understanding what they were talking about. And next thing you know, some guys left the room. I'm sitting there. You come in and you're being installed as worshipful master. I'm not a past master. I had no clue what was going on. (laughs) <laughs> so I'm sitting there and midway through your installation, I'm thinking, oh, God, I'm not supposed to be here. <laughs> but I was too embarrassed to leave. And the only saving grace was I did have a past master's apron on. So I'm OK. So I inadvertently, Bob, I did meet you. I also got the word of the master. I'm thinking, oh, Lord. Yeah. You were asleep for most of it. Yeah, no, no, like Bob said, I couldn't understand most of what they were saying. <laughs> <laughs> even even the British, even the English, I couldn't understand a lot of what they were saying, which is why I stayed for the ceremony. Right. Um, uh, yes, yes, you probably heard things you were not supposed to. Yeah. And one of the reasons why they don't install um Scots, of course, is because that lodge draws its membership from uh, long-standing Masonic scholars here in the UK. So m- nearly uh, to a man, people are are already an English past master. They've already been the master of a lodge. Mm-hmm. So they don't have the normal installation ceremony um, that they, they, they have when they're first installed as a master. Yeah. So yeah, you probably you got the full works. I think when I when I was installed because I'm not an, I'm not a past master of an English lodge. You see, and, and your presentation that night was on that monument that that guy and I think in Washington State built with oh, all. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. that was interesting. But here here again, there was some language difficulties with my hearing. I. <laughs> It was great. And you were lapsing into a Scottish accent then, too. <laughs> I loved it. I loved it. Yeah. Well, at least if I remember rightly, I illustrated it. I had some pictures. Yes, you did. Um, you, you, did a, yeah. you did a show, I, yeah. Yeah, and so images always help a bit, I think. It did. Uh, yeah. So, <laughs> but, yeah, that's an unusual part of the world um, for me, because so, so, you know, it's a, a long way away from me. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, so you and I actually did meet. Mm, there we go. Small That's water. How memorable you are, Larry. <laughs> mm. All right. Um, so is is that um, the highest of offices that you've um, you've held? It would be worshipful master of that lodge, or are you involved? Yeah, I know. I know you're involved in other lodges because um, our friend Simon Polkyhorn, um, who is a member of pretty much everything. Um, knows you from several different bodies. So what what else are you involved in? Um, Well, I'm involved one way or the other in in nearly every uh, order um, that we have um, in in Freemasonry. Um, There are some orders which we don't have, such as the Cedar of Lebanon, which you mentioned. We don't have that. We don't have the Shriners. Um, 
back kind of out of the room. Do you eat there, Bob? Do you eat there? <laughs> yeah. Because if yeah. you eat, you can we be a tall last, seater. I'm just, well, I'm just we wouldn't, saying. We wouldn't last very long if we didn't eat, I suppose. Um, <laughs> then so. you, can, you can certainly be a tall seater. Pete will get the paperwork started on that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, it's uh, yeah. It's just different different ways of of, of doing something similar, I suppose. Uh, the Scottish right is much smaller here. Um, it's limited uh, numerically to a very small number, um, and that's again all to do with history because the craft was here for. Uh, more than 250 years before the Scottish Rite appeared. Um, so it, it's a very much a Johnny-come-lately organisation uh, here in Scotland, <laughs> even although it's a, called the Scottish Rite. Um, that's a whole interesting story as well. So, yeah, Scotland's a very different kind of country, um, uh, historically and culturally, uh, and... Uh, I don't. I, I put a wee. I put a link in the chat room for you because I've just been. You were asking what I was working on, and um, there's a a conference, a symposium uh, next year uh, about uh, Scottish Freemasonry, but it's going to be held in the George Washington National Memorial um, in Alexandria. Um, so I'll put the link in there so you can have a look at the memorials. Uh, um, did did you put that in already, Bob? Yeah, it should be in the, uh, unless I have, there it is. There it is. Bob, there it is. Okay. 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 Um, <laughs> I forgot to type, I forgot to tap enter. <laughs> that's, that's <laughs> it's kind it. of basic stuff, you know, but yeah. It if, is. You if you don't, if you don't tap enter, then you, it's not surprising you don't see things, eh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah. So we've been yeah. You know, just a wee example of of uh, of thing. Yeah. You know, one thing that we've been working on um, with the guys at the memorial. So that be maybe something for your diary or your calendar next year. Um, be interesting, I think. So in addition uh, to all of the Masonic work that you've done, um, you're also an author. Um, and as I was uh, looking through some of your work, um, of particular interest um, was the uh, Rosalind hoax uh, writings that you did. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, yeah, okay. I mean, that was, um, like a lot of my writings, it's usually a reaction um, to something I don't like. Uh, and it's... <laughs> uh, I noticed and, that about you, Bob. Yeah, it's, it annoys me when people um, who are not even Scottish um, pontificate on Scottish history. <laughs> and, I'm, you know, and, and I'm reading what they, what they say and I'm going, but that's not right. That's not right. That's not right. That's not right. I'm going to write about this, you know. And, <laughs> yes. But, uh, and it's frustration, I think, a matter of trying to put the record straight. And uh, what what I find you know, so amazing, I'm always, well, Pete's, um, Pete's muted. Yeah. What I find amazing <laughs> is, 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 is who's told him to shut up? <laughs> 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 I have dogs making noises out of the microphone off, Larry. That's a reason. <laughs> we have a new director for our show now. 
that's, that's not very Masonic, you know. That's, oh, that's <laughs> so, yeah, so a, a lot of this stuff comes out because of, as, as a reaction to me reading some things that are just plain wrong about Scotland. And well, uh, when, when, you, when you Google you, Bob, not that I'm saying you've ever Googled yourself, but when, when, you, when you're Googled, there's a quote that comes up about now that I'm out from under the thumb of Grand Lodge management, I can pretty much say whatever I want. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, uh, well, that's right. I mean, the, the, well, the Scots are fairly well known for um, fairly blunt talking, I think. And uh, um, <laughs> so I've been, I've been allowed to get away with quite a lot over the years. Um, so I, yeah, I'm maybe being a little bit unfair, but uh, yeah, uh, just an, an in, very interesting uh, last thirty odd years, I have to say. Uh, but uh, yeah, Rosalind Hooks. That's it's a very dry book um, because it's kind of academic. Um, it's got lots and lots and lots of footnotes, and that's deliberate because what I've done is completely the opposite from a lot of these popular authors who will write a book which is which is essentially um, op-ed, you know, opinion piece. Um, whereas I, I did it from an, an academic point of view and said, now, there's all my sources, there's where the information comes from, now would you like to argue with me? And uh, the answer is no, we wouldn't like to argue with Bob Cooper, you've seen what he's written, you know? <laughs> yeah, but who's making more money on Netflix is the question. Right. Yeah, well, Hollywood yeah. and uh, popular uh, authors that write uh, fictional stories, you know. Yeah. Night and Lomas, I'm looking at you. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's right. And uh, unfortunately, uh, for whatever reason, it's not just Freemasonry that suffers from this problem, but um, fantasy history sells far, far more books than factual history. It's as simple as that. And I, I suspect most of you guys are of an age that will have seen this phenomenon before. And the best example I can give you is, um, uh, do you remember the guy Eric von Daniken? You know, oh, God. Is, yeah. is God an astronaut? Chariot of the gods and all that kind mm -hmm. of stuff. And it was the same thing. But it's what we call pop, pop history. Um, popular history where the guy cherry picks various facts, various images, and then weaves together a completely fantastic story. And it catches the imagination. And it's a good read, but it's just a lot of nonsense. I was about to be a bit more unsubtle than that but anyway <laughs> i caught myself oh, when i when i was when i was a younger man i, I fed on that that yeah so did i it was, I uh, it was brilliant. holy blood holy grail i read it in like 1981 like yeah. the, when it came out it was it was an interesting thing and then it became dan brown and then all of a sudden it, it blew up freemasonry uh, yeah. but it's a, yeah. it's a whole different animal so well, what what else? Uh, so so tell us about the Rosalind hoax, just specifically. What what is the Rosalind hoax, and why is it a hoax, and why do we all want to believe it? <laughs> well, I get well. The basic fact is that um, a kind of a romantic story that involves the Knight Templars um, 
uh, and, and you know Freemasonry, etc., etc., is, is supremely attractive to us guys. Um, and and I mean to be honest, we'll all have a place in our house where there are books, and I've got them surrounded here. I'm surrounded by books. Yeah, exactly. And so what you do is you go onto Amazon.com and you see a book by Knight and Lomas or whatever, and you buy it. <laughs> you buy it. You buy it and read it. And what happens to the book? If it's a lot of rubbish, a lot of garbage, do you take it by send it back to Amazon.com? No. You put it on your bookcase, don't you? It's another Masonic book, and it goes in your collection, and so that's why the, the uh, these books sell in huge numbers because we buy them and we don't send them back. You know, it's a product that stays sold, and of course that's very attractive in, in terms not only of the publisher but the author. Um, and so I, I I say to people, particularly I say to Grand Lodges, who educates. Freemasons today, and they all look kind of blankly at me. And I know there's some exceptions, but generally speaking, the answer has got to be it's Amazon.com. It's not a grand lodge. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> so Amazon.com have taken over the leadership of Masonic education worldwide. <laughs> okay, it's all it's all clear to me now. Uh. <laughs> It's all a conspiracy by, to sell by the books. Time I got to the third night Lomas book, even not, though I'm not an, an, a, uh, an intellectual by any means, they were they were reaching. I mean, they were very very reaching, and and I just I never finished the third book. I'm like, mm. that made me just throw away all their crap from the beginning. At the historic Smithton Inn of Ephrata, Pennsylvania. We're pleased to serve the latest creations from Weathered Vineyard Winery, along with spirits from Thistle Finch Distillery in Lancaster, all to be experienced in the tasting room of a beautifully restored 18th century bed and breakfast. Cigars by DNS Cigar are available for your enjoyment in the courtyard. The historic Smithton Inn is convenient to Lancaster County's most interesting attractions. Just minutes from the Ephrata Cloister and the Green Dragon Farmer's Market, and a short drive can get you to charming Lidditz, thriving downtown Lancaster, as well as Hershey, Bird in Hand, and Intercourse, or Valley Forge and Gettysburg. Whether you're looking for a romantic getaway or an active vacation full of sightseeing and attractions, the historic Smithton Inn will be a welcoming oasis from everyday life, one that you'll want to visit again and again. Stop in and visit at 900 West Main Street in Ephrata, Pennsylvania, or check out our website at historicsmithtoninn.com or simply call us at 717-733-6094. Just ask for Passmaster Dave. We're back uh, with Brother Robert Cooper, who is the curator of the Grand Lodge of Scotland and a fascinating mason in all of the that he is um, has been through, um, Robert. Let's let's finish up a little bit on this uh, this Roslyn myth. Why is it a myth, and why do we um, believe it? Well, uh, the bottom line is this: that all, all these authors, what they've done, 
is they've taken what we call our traditional history. Um, that is the history that goes with each branch of Freemasonry. So um, the, 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 the traditional history of um, craft Freemasonry is all about um, the temple in Jerusalem and the famous guy that figures so largely in the third degree. Um, then you've got um, the, the story that um, is associated with the Royal Order of Scotland. Um, the same goes for uh, the Knights of Constantine and so on and so on. So everybody's got a special separate story each one. So if you're a preceptory, you'll never hear anything about the Royal Arch. If you're in a craft lodge, you'll never hear a story about the Red Cross of Constantine. Everything is quite separate in Freemasonry. Each has its own history, right? What these guys have done is they've linked our history together in one big smorgasbord of stuff. And But you never hear the, that story within Freemasonry. You think about it, you never get taught in Freemasonry about Rosalind Chapel, the Knights Templar, Craft Freemasonry, the St. Clair family, the whole kit and caboodle. You never get that as one big story in Freemasonry. But yet, that's the story that they have created and given back to us. So what is the real story? What is the real story about well, the to Rosalind? Well, when it comes to Rosalind Chapel, Rosalind Chapel has been around for a very long time, as you know. Uh, it was begun in uh, 1446. So it's a very old building, and that means it's got uh, an, old, an, old, a an old and long history um, to go with it. Um, today, and I think this is the major problem we have, today, more than 500 years later, coming up for 600 years, um, we do not understand what the medieval church was about. Um, so the church 600 years ago was a very different kind of organisation compared to today. And we don't understand the symbolism of the church. We don't understand um, the imagery they use. We don't even understand the language, which is substantially Latin, for example. So we don't, we don't understand what we're even looking at. When people don't understand something, they come up with some kind of an explanation for it. And, of course, the Freemasons who looked at this building have imposed a Masonic interpretation on what they are looking at. So they look at the, 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 the carvings and they say, oh, that looks very similar to Masonic stuff. So, therefore, we think this building is a Masonic building. Must and, be. of course... Yeah, and I understand. I can understand why you would do that, but of course, it's actually very bad, very bad history, because what you're doing is you're imposing something that is uh, modern today onto the past, and history doesn't work like that. You've got to start in the past and try and work out what was going on six hundred years ago. What did stuff mean 600 years ago, not what it means today, what it meant then. And if you do that, then you get some kind of an idea of what it is you're dealing with. Unfortunately, these guys are saying, oh, look, that looks like uh, the guy you know, getting ready for his third degree. The third degree we now know didn't exist in 1446. 
Right. Um, so, but that, but you can under, you can see what where the problem is then, because the third degree exists today. The assumption is well, it must have existed when the building was built because you can see something that looks like the third degree, mm. and therefore it is the third degree. <laughs> so, so that's the source of the hoax is that we're imposing a modern perspective. And- on yep. ancient stone. Okay, that's, that's exactly right, and uh, it's a, it's not it's not a good way to do things. So um, an, another book that you've written uh, that that caught my eye was uh, was one about anti masonry, and I know that there's a lot of people who listen to this podcast that know a little bit about anti masonry in the U.S., but I don't think any of us know anything about anti masonry. Um, as it as it manifests itself in the early 19th century, um, like that, mm-hmm. like the Morgan affair that we had here in the U.S., yeah. um, you know, what what how does anti-masonry manifest itself then and now? <clears throat> well, anti-masonry or Masonophobia, as I would call it. Um, Masonophobia um, has been around a very long time. Uh, almost as long as the craft has been around. Now, the problem is, I think that we're, we're for a start, we're not understood, um, uh, and neither is there a desire to understand. Because if you understand a particular group of people, then you might uh, be sympathetic to them. You might uh, have your prejudices um, turned on their head. Um, So a lot of people don't want to know um, about Freemasonry. They want to have their prejudices confirmed. And that's that's not just it's not just uh, uh, Freemasonry that falls into that category, but again, this this uh, that book was a reaction to what was going on specifically in Scotland um, and in England um, in the late nineteen uh, nineties, in particular. And I went and, back a little- just just so the, the the listeners know, the title of the book is called the Red Triangle. Mm. Uh, and you can find it on that most hated of Masonic education sites, Amazon. Uh, and then you can contribute uh, yeah. to our guest if you want. Okay. I've given you a link to the Grand Lodge of Scotland online shop um, in the chat room, just in case you want to make use of that. Um, so, yeah, uh, I was going to start um, the story with, you know, what was happening in Scotland in the 1990s. And I thought, well, that's that's probably not going to make too much sense um, to, to people who don't live in Scotland because they wouldn't know the background. So I went back, I went a bit further back, and a lot of this stuff originates in the late um, 19th century, in the modern anti-masonry, mm-hmm. when it, it begins with the Dreyfus Affair um, in mm-hmm. France. Um, and that's where the uh, the Wait. modern origins of anti-masonry begins. I'm, I'm sorry, the Dreyfus Affair had a Masonic yeah. component? Yeah, yeah oh, very much so. Very oh, much so. Right. Again, this is the history that is, is unknown. And uh, again, this is how people will perceive 
things that are taking place and then we'll seek to understand it. I mean, very, very quickly. And I mean, it's it's very complicated, but the Dreyfus affair, Dreyfus was a Jew, um, senior uh, army officer. Um, the, the, the establishment um, uh, were undergoing some kind of a crisis of conscience and they jailed this guy for a conspiracy. They accused him of being a spy, passing right. stuff to the, the Germans high command um, and then what happened was the people who a large group of people um, who knew that Dreyfus was innocent were Freemasons and so the battle line, lines were drawn so the free and of course in some ways they were acting honourably and properly, but what the mistake they made was they had um, meetings in support of Dreyfus in Masonic uh, temples, uh, the Grand Lodge did that, and so immediately that they were classified as being against the state, which Ooh. had prosecuted Dreyfus, um, and um, and therefore they were um, left-wing socialists because the establishment was right-wing government, you know. Um, and so it went from there. And uh, it gets... Anyway, so that's where it starts in the book. Um, then, of course, the next thing that happens, momentous <laughs> things that happen, is the First World War. Yeah, who's, who's our guy that's appeared on our screen? Ron, Ron Dreyfus, Pete. Ron Dreyfus. Oh. Ron Dreyfus, okay. Okay. All right. No, I don't a think... A descendant. Yeah, Richard, I don't... A descendant, yeah. I was going to say, I, he doesn't look like he, he had a hard uh. life. <laughs> uh, so anyway, the, the next step was the First World War, um, reading about what Hitler was writing, Mein Kampf, etc., etc. Um, and that comes right through to the 1990s in Scotland. And I thought we'd better document this for the craft, um, this seam of, uh, this continuous seam of vitriol against the craft. And the danger, I mean, I, I very quickly tell you a, a story. Um, this is this is what ultimately this kind of thinking can lead to. There was a guy um, who uh, was out of a job but um, was looking for work in Germany, and one day he strolled into an office in Munich and said, give me a job. Um, and that job was as a clerk with the Gestapo um, in Munich. And so he was... He was pretty low on the scale of things. He was a clerk. He filed documents. He put documents away. Um, but they quickly noticed that he had a, a, a tremendous aptitude for um, filing and cross-linking, cross-referencing uh, documents. And so they gave him a job of creating a card index by which um, they could track a large group of people across the entire country. Um, and he uh, prepared this card index so well that they realised they had a bit of a genius on their hand. And they said, all right, we've got a far more important job now for you. We want you to correct, uh, create a card index um, about German Jews. Um, the first group he tracked was Freemasons. The second groups were German Jews, and the guy's name was Adolf Eichmann. Um, so card indexing um, uh, enemies of the state, 
first and foremost were Freemasons. That was the first job that um, was created by the Nazis. That was the enemy group they focused on first. The Jews were second. So Adolf Eichmann um, cut his teeth on um, tracking down all the known Freemasons in Germany, what orders they were members of, what their lodges, what the name of their lodges were, what rank they held, etc., etc. And only then did he move on to the Jews. So that's the kind of stuff that's in in that uh, in that book, the Red Triangle. Um, other interesting things like um, uh, I'm trying to remember his name. It's terrible. The Grand Master of the the Grand Lodge of the Netherlands, or the Grand East of the Netherlands, as it's called. Um, he was a retired uh, Dutch. Uh, army general who realised that the Nazis were going to invade Holland, uh, invade the Netherlands. And before the Nazis invaded, um, he moved all the Grand Lodge money, all the various bank accounts. He took all the money out of these accounts. Um, so when the when the Nazis invaded uh, the Netherlands, Holland, um, uh, of course they they stole everything. Um, that the Jews and the Freemasons had, but when they got to the Freemasons, you know, all the money had disappeared. And what this guy did, I wish I could remember his name, that's terrible. Um, what this guy did was he had two daughters and he gave half of the Masonic money to one daughter who ran the underground uh, newspaper and he gave the other half of the money to the other daughter, um, which she used to arm the underground resistance to the Nazi occupation. So f Masonic money was used to fund the Dutch underground against the Nazi occupation forces. Kind of history is completely ignored today. Yeah, it, it absolutely is. And even in this country, Robert, just so you don't feel bad, it, it, all of the... The, the leaders of this country down the line, if you're not a Mason, you don't know that those people were Masons. You never hear about that stuff. Yeah. In, you know, in, in yeah, the, we've, you see, I, I, I don't know if, if you agree with me, but I, I, the world seems to be devolving into groups of people who, I, who are either victims or not. Okay, in one way or the other, deservedly so in most cases, but because Freemasonry is seen as dominantly um, white Anglo-Saxon, what do they call it, wasps, uh, um, white Anglo-Saxon Protestant males, yeah. Um, so although we are victims of the Holocaust, we're not deserving victims. I, I go even deeper, Robert, into that demographic. It's middle-aged, overweight, college-educated, <laughs> white Christian male. We're just done for. It's over. We, we just yeah. turn in yeah. the keys and just go home. That's all we got. Yeah. But, I mean, even then, I mean, Prince Hall, you know, which is not of that demographic, <laughs> you know, um, even they have a problem. They're completely ignored as well, yeah. you know. Um, so... Um, and then the same thing uh, goes for uh, the Grand Lodge of Nigeria or the, the, the Grand Lodge of Malawi or whatever, you know. Um, Freemasonry is not considered to be um, worthy of victimhood. And so right. we're wiped from history. 
for that reason. Because, to be honest, if if we were recognised as being... I mean, we reckon there's about 80,000 Masons. Insignificant number compared to the Jewish guys. Six million. But we reckon 80,000 European Masons were tortured and executed uh, or stuck in gas chambers um, during the Holocaust. Um, so it's a tiny number in comparison to the other groups. Um, and the thing is that if you then recognise that group, no matter how small, as being victims of the Nazi regime, then it, they're difficult to attack. Because you'd say, well, why, why are you attacking us? We were, we've been the same. We were the same as the Jews and and the Gypsies, and, and people don't want you to no. have no. that kind of um, uh, attribute, if you want. Anyway, so that's a very dark subject, as you can, as, as you know, and that's another reason why these books don't sell. Who who wants to read dep depressing stuff? But I thought it was important to get it on the record, so we, that we, in, in, we, we had a previous guest that told us if you ever want to go broke, become a Masonic author. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> All right, well, I think we're going to take it. We're going to take a quick break um, and. Uh, uh, troll for uh, donations and sponsorships. Um, so, uh, Robert, stand by. We're going to be right back, and I am going to uh, uh, ask you about uh, my favorite subject, the Holy Saints, John. As far back as the mid-1800s, records exist describing the pre-meaning tradition of brethren smoking cigars during and after gatherings. To this day, the practice of smoking cigars remains very much alive in many lodges. This custom is considered a time for brethren to relax, exchange ideas, and enjoy the simplicity and fellowship that is the very essence of our brotherhood. This is what Hireman Solomon Cigars is all about. Our starting principles are to bring Masonic brethren together in the harmony of a good cigar. Pull up a chair, sit back. Light up any of our premium cigars and enjoy the history. Hiram and Solomon Cigars can be found at fine cigar retailers. For a complete list, visit HiramandSolomonCigars.com or check them out on social media to find out when they'll be at a live event near you. Hiram and Solomon Cigars is pleased to be the official cigar of the Masonic Light Podcast. And we're back uh, with Robert Cooper, who is um, joining us. It's like it's like three in the morning over there in Scotland right now, but we don't <laughs> care. We're going to keep him up for another couple of hours. Um, Robert, uh, there is a subject that that um, you have written about. I, I, I've seen a paper that you've done on Facebook. Uh, God help us all. And um, it was it was inspiring because when I joined the lodge, one of the first things that just struck me as unusual was, who is this Holy St. John and why are we all here? And um, you've written something about that. And I took it as gospel, swallowed the hook all the way down. And then I read the other day that uh, Robert posts, well, that, that may not be you know, the last word on it, but so now I'm, I'm hanging, Robert, you gotta, you gotta straighten me <laughs> Tell me about the Holy St. John and, and why 
Scottish and English Freemasonry have him wrong. Right. Um, it, it's actually fairly straightforward. Uh, we go back to the year 1475, which is quite long. Yeah quite a long time ago. Um, and what happened uh, then was in that year, the city of Edinburgh gave a charter to the masons, and that's the stone masons mm-hmm. of the city. And at that time, um, of course, the Roman Catholic uh, version of Christianity was the only version around. And part of the the deal to get this charter from the from City Hall was um, to agree uh, to undertake certain duties. And one of those duties was a requirement to service uh, part of the church, um, the, you know, the cathedral uh, called St. Giles. And the, the part of the church that they were given to service was the Isle of St. John. Um, and so right away, I think, well, yes, there you are, St. John. Now we know where the St. John comes from. But of course, as we know, there are two St. Johns, St. John the Baptist and St. John the Evangelist. St. John the Evangelist uh, Day is the 27th of December each year. Um, and St. John the Baptist is the 24th of June each year. And uh, so, well, which one was it? Because... Um, in Scotland, we only have one, not two. So um, that, that that's a bit of a conundrum. Now, what happens was this charter that is given to the stonemasons makes it very clear that the main, and so I'm changing my position again here slightly, the main St. John is the evangelist, and the Baptist is mentioned, but he's in a minor capacity. And you can see why um, St. John the Evangelist um, is, um, uh, is, is, is known personally to Christ. He's one of the, um, uh, the patron saint. Uh, no, not patron saint. Yes, that's right. He, he writes one of the Gospels. John right. the Baptist does not. So St. John the Evangelist is very much the dominant partner in the two St. Johns. So understanding, again, this is an, a great example of why today we do not understand how the medieval church worked. Um, like, like human beings everywhere, why not um, have two people in the one aisle that's being serviced by a group of people. So you get two for the price of one, essentially. Um, but, uh, yeah, uh, that's right. Exactly. And so uh, <laughs> the, uh, yeah, so St. John the Baptist does not feature in Scottish Freemasonry, but let me put it this way. When, when the Grand Lodge of England is founded, um, which day of the year would you prefer uh, the 27th of December, when the days are very short, dark, wet and cold, or the 24th of June, when the days are long, bright, sunny and warm, which day would you choose to have your annual meeting? Well, of course, the Scots chose the 27th of December, didn't they? <laughs> <laughs> so that's why we have St John the Evangelist here um, in Scotland, because we're slightly mad. Um, and the sensible English chaps said, no, it's obviously got to be St John the Baptist. 
Um, and in fact, when the Grand Lodge of Scotland was founded a few years later, um, they chose, the people who were forming the Grand Lodge of Scotland, chose St John the Baptist because they knew that only sensible people would choose the Baptist and certainly not the evangelist oh, until they were put well. right. Yeah, until they were put right by the stonemasons of Scotland who said, no, you've got it completely wrong. <laughs> and, and, and if you don't fix it, we're we're leaving. Oh, nice. Yeah. Uh, now, the operatives the have us after all. Nice. Yeah, but the Grand Lodge had got themselves in a fix when you think about it. They told the world that they were going to be having their annual meetings on the 24th of June, St. John the Baptist Day. Now they were being told by a bigger group of people that they were wrong. It was supposed to be the 27th of December. So they're going to upset one side or the other. So that's why the Grand Lodge of Scotland, as far as I know, is the only Grand Lodge in the world that doesn't have either St. John as the patron saint. The patron saint of the Grand Lodge of Scotland is St. Andrew. Well, right, he's the patron November. saint of Freemasons, of, of Stonemasons, right. Uh, he's a patron saint of Scotland. Um, so. And then, right. yeah. yeah, so they so they basically got out got out of the fix by saying, okay, because we're Scottish, we'll have neither St. John, we'll have a St. Andrew. But so St. John, St. John, patron saint, St. John the Baptist or evangelist, doesn't feature at, at the Grand Lodge of Scotland. Well, uh, I'll, I'll share with you so I'll share with you after the fact my my views on the new logo for the UGLE which I think is an abomination. But anyway, listen, um, we're going to, Tim, um, just uh, on the aside, um, I, I think you said something earlier about making this possible. What did you mean when you said something about making this podcast possible? Well, we certainly couldn't do it on our own. Uh, we are supported by some wonderful folks who contribute actual money to us. Real uh, money, not that fake Bitcoin stuff. Not that no. Bitcoin stuff. That's right. Um, our our patrons on Patreon, uh, we are grateful for their support. And you too can uh, join this uh, great group uh, by going to patreon.com slash Masonic Light Podcast. And for as little as $1 a month. One stinking dollar one dollar uh you can uh, be a supporter uh we also have uh, other levels that you can contribute uh at but uh we are greatly appreciative of all of those of you who support this podcast financially and help uh, us keep our equipment up to date and help us um do the things that we do we're especially grateful for the donors at the $7.37 a month level. Yeah, we're still trying to figure out that translation. But uh, Even if you're a $1 sponsor, that means you can, you're can you going to pay for our annual banquet when we have a large pizza with a coupon. That's right. At $12, we'll cover that. Yes. Awesome. All right. Um, so we're gonna we're gonna take a break. Uh, come back, say uh, happy night for uh, for Brother Cooper. Um, so let's uh, let's take a quick break, and we'll be right back. Good evening, sports fans. This is Hiram Cosell speaking to you of mergers. The date. 
last week sometime. The place, Millsville, Pennsylvania. The event, the thriller in the villa. Following several months of exhaustive preparation and countless afternoon naps, Larry the Meritorious Maris was present for the vote on the merger of the Challenger. Lamberton Lodge number 476 of Lancaster, Pennsylvania. And the reigning champion Charles M. Howell Lodge number 496 of Millersville, PA. This reporter would love to describe a contentious battle of heavyweights juking and jabbing in a raucous free-for-all. But no, the outcome was never in doubt. Not a single dissenting voice was heard, and Millersville passed the motion without objection. Next up on the wide world of masons, funny hats and pointy swords clash in a battle royale of Knights Templar, all fighting over the same 50 members. That's the Masonic Sports. Have a great day. We're back. Uh, we're back. Um, we're going to finish up right now with uh, Dr. Well, I don't know. Is it doctor? It's not doctor. Is it doctor? No. It's just Robert. It's brother Robert. Brother Robert. Yeah. Um, brother Bob has been uh, very patient with us who really don't know what the heck we're doing, uh, but he does. And we're just riding on his coattails. So it's awesome. Um, Bob, um, thank you very much for being with us. Um, anything you would like to share about um, about your books, your museum? Um, I, I, I do plan at some point to get to Edinburgh. So I'd like to visit the uh uh, the Grand Lodge uh, Museum and all that good, good stuff. Uh, tell us a little bit about that before we go. Um, well, one of the problems of being one of the oldest Grand Lodges um, in the world is that we've got lots of stuff, stuff everywhere, you know, and um, looking after a load of stuff is a problem. Um, we, for example, have this, we decided quite a long time ago to start to digitize um, our earliest records. Uh, it, uh, it's never going to be finished in my time, but at least a start has been made. With, well, you know, as I said earlier, with the records beginning in 1598, um, there's still a long way to go. But in terms of the membership records, uh, one of the one of the things that's been revealed to me is the extent of Scottish Freemasonry across the world. Because as I go through these records, I keep coming across some wonderful. Um, information. So, for example, um, I come across an entry for Lodge St. Andrew in Boston, Massachusetts, yeah. with the first name um, of Paul Revere as secretary and Joseph Warren as the master <laughs> and so on and so on. And so, you know, um, so these were Scottish Freemasons a uh, long time before the Grand Lodge of Massachusetts comes into existence, of course. Wow. Um, so, yeah, so when you look at stuff like that, you think, well, you know, many, many people over hundreds of years um, have thought this craft uh, a wonderful organization worth being a member of. And what's more, 
They, these are um, thinking people. They are intelligent people. They are uh, uh, not people who join and disappear. They join and they stick with it. Um, and you know that that makes me think that these were perhaps of a different caliber uh, in many cases compared to today. Um, I just wish we could recreate that ethos where these guys would join and stay with us for the rest of their lives. Your uh, mouth to God's ear, my brother. Yeah. So uh, that's something we should be working on because that history can often speak for us in that sense. And so we should be using that to a better advantage. And, you know, perhaps perhaps sometime in the future, we could get some kind of um, working plans drawn up as to how we could progress that idea. Very good. Well, Brother Robert, it's been a, an actual an, an, an honor. There's no other word for it. There's, it's been an honor to have you with us. Um, we're completely unworthy and bow before you. Um, but uh, but thank you for being here with us and sharing some of these insights. Um, uh, we may reach out to you again at some future point. And if you don't, sure. um, like, you know, throw something at us, uh, that'll be good. Um, so we're going to we're going to go around the horn again. Why don't uh, Pete, what do you got going on for the next couple of Masonic weeks? Oh, let's see. I've got a lot going on this weekend. I'm going away to an event that um, we can't talk invite about. only for an invite only body uh, for the whole weekend. And then um, next week I have to do my duty as district deputy for Grotto. And I have to go to the remote part of Pennsylvania called Warren, Pennsylvania. Oh, <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, I, I can't even give you the, um, the Scottish equivalent, but this is like in the middle of nowhere. It's just in the middle of the woods. Um, and uh, like I said, I'm working on three different degrees in the Scottish Rite and trying to get all of our books done for the end of the year for Tall Cedars. And then Larry wants me to help out with this new lodge beautification committee. So just too much on my plate. <laughs> Larry, what do you have going on? Larry. 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 Yeah, you're, Larry. you're the Larry, yes. Um, going to a, a lodge meeting in Millersville tonight because I was invited. Uh, also, uh, continuing Tall Cedars, continuing the merger. This merger stuff seems to go on well into next year. Um, yeah, you're right. Plate's full. I'm doing this 17th degree in Scottish Rite as well. Speaking and of stage plates. Crew. And I've been notified by the new stage manager that we're limited on number of people, so they expect me to lift and move things around. Oh, <laughs> oh no. Do they know you at all, Larry? <laughs> this guy doesn't know. <laughs> That's it. Tim. Uh, all right. Tim, what do you have going Tim, do it. Uh, well, uh, as Pete mentioned at the beginning of the broadcast, uh, Scottish Rite reunion season. Uh, obviously, uh, several of the uh, valleys will be having uh, their reunions coming up uh, the week that this episode drops, so the 19th and 20th of November. Um, and then we move right into December, where um, all of our lodge officers will be changing for the first time in two years in many cases. Um, 
So I know our own Josh will be uh, moving to, to the uh, realm of past master, uh, I think. And uh, so anyway, we've got that coming up. Um, and then just a couple of items that are coming up kind of beyond the two-week window. On Saturday the 18th, uh, given our topic this evening, there's actually uh, one of the Grand Lodge uh, online um, uh, Masonic education uh, trainings that will be going on on Saturday the 18th, where Brother John Minot, I believe it is, uh, is going to talk about the history of the Grand Lodge of Pennsylvania and its connections uh, to the Grand Lodge of Scotland, uh, as well as uh, connections uh, uh, to our English brethren as well. So uh, we've got that coming up. And then, of course, on the previous mention, December the 27th, uh, we will be installing a new right worshipful grand master, uh, Brother Jeff Wonderling. Um, and so uh, that's upcoming. All right, Bob, what about you? What's going on in your Masonic future? Oh, uh, a few things. Um, um, tomorrow I'm giving a, a presentation on um, Scottish Freemasons um, who were prisoners of war by, with the Japanese, held by the Japanese um, in 1942 onwards um, and ended up on the Burma Death Railway, etc., etc. Um, in January, I'll be in Texas. Wait, 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 wait. I'm going to interrupt you. Is that like the lodge over the River Kwai? Uh, similar. It's not so well known. It's a it's a prisoner of war camp called River Valley Road um, in Singapore. Wow. Yeah. Hey. And uh, yeah. So I've actually been there and seen seen where they were. The camp's not there, but uh, yeah, uh, guys had a, had a pretty tough time. But I've researched, researched all the individuals um, who were the founder members and some quite tragic stories. But yeah, um, man, that's that's yeah. awesome. Good for you. Thank you for yeah. thank you yeah. for keeping that history alive. Yeah. So what's going yeah. on in Texas? Um, I go every January. Um, uh, there is a lodge there that was founded by Scots um, called R Lodge Robert Burns. No. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. Scots, yeah. Uh, a Robert Burns Lodge, and they have a Burns Supper every year in January. <laughs> so I, I I go there to try and show them how to do it properly. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> it's good fun. It's good fun. That's good guys. Um, in March, I shall be in New Jersey. Um, guest of the Grand Lodge of New Jersey. July, Toronto, um, uh, September, Greece, and there's others I can't remember. Well, when you're, should you happen to be in the area, we're in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, and we would love to have you, you drop know, by the studio. So I'm thinking. I'm thinking. I'm thinking. When I retire, All right. I might uh, I might welcome to the states and uh, take a long term rental and just drive around and see all the guys I know. So well, we knows? would love to have you. I need to get over to Aberdeenshire. That's where my mother's family is from. Oh, so really? Oh, I have to get a over very there. famous lodge there. <laughs> oh, In is fact, that right? With very with very strong, very early Masonic connections with the United States. Oh, fantastic. I'll, yeah. I'll touch base yeah. about that. Very good. All right, Josh, you don't have anything coming up, do you? 
Uh, we have, uh, we're going to be having a practice for, for installation of officers, uh, cause we're doing that at school of instruction. However, I don't think we're going to be doing installation in December because, uh, because we're in the merger process, of course, uh, you know, our actual installation will occur in January after Grand Lodge, if they approve the, uh, the merger, uh, handles everything at the quarterly. So, um, cool. our line has already been voted on as part of our merger process. So we're until the new lodge is officially in effect, we're not doing an installation. Are you going to take them over? Is it like a coup d'état thing that we should know about? No, no, no. no it's, a, it's a, it's a nope. very, very amicable, great merger with two lodges that are, they really like each other. Nice. Unlike most mergers. Yes, We've been, I'm just, I'm just joshing. Joshing. So you, you didn't put me in any office, did you? I'm just checking. Oh yeah. You're the secretary. <laughs> <laughs> For the next 25 years. Yeah. And then you're going to be treasurer. Yeah. Right. I heard, I heard you don't say no when asked. <laughs> All right. That's what she said. All right. Good. All right. Larry, let's cue some chickens. Do you got chickens, <sighs> man? Yo, where, where am I? Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, special Chickens, thank Larry, you. Get us out of here. The Effort Lodge 665. We're providing a great studio uh, to our uh, producer director, Josh Lamberton, for always doing a great show. And Robert, when you listen to this, it's not going to sound anything like we just did. It's going to be much, much better yes. with commercials. Josh is uh, our- Also, to, to Jack Harley, our news director. Uh, also, uh, sports editor, Tim Dedman, our marketing director, and uh, our uh, Masonic Light contributors, Michelle Snyder and Doug Maddenford. And I do have a, a story to tell. Oh, and I don't know, Uh-oh. you can cut it out if you think it's not appropriate. <laughs> I, I was at Mix the other day, and I was having a beer, and I heard three surgeons talking about. <laughs> operating on on people and the one surgeon said you know i like to operate on electricians he said everything inside is color-coded the other surgeon said well, i like librarians myself he said because everything's in alphabetical order and the third surgeon says i like to do politicians actually because there's no guts no backbone no heart and the head is interchangeable with the ass <laughs> Larry saying thank you. That's actually a good one, Larry. <laughs> this is oh, good night, everybody. Thanks again. Good night. Bye. 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 Bye.